0: No they're the Fast and Furious. Yeah helmet helmet Marco is bald he is Vin Diesel. I don't got drivers. I got family. <laughs> family. Welcome to Rear of the Grid, the show about Formula One hosted by two blokes without a license. I am one such bloke, your host for today, Jashan, hosting in lieu of the other said bloke, Matthew Hume, who is unfortunately out of action with what sounds to be quite a tumultuous flu. So uh, if you're listening, send your thoughts and prayers out to Matt and uh, hope for a speedy recovery. Yeah, give us a like on Instagram at Online Hub Media. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on all the things. Pod beans been killing it lately. We do love a good bean. I'm drinking a nice little Ethiopian bean today. Mm. Good cup of coffee to get me up and about in this. What is it? 523 p.m. in sunny Melbourne. But we got lots to talk about today. Formula 1, two, two races to talk about, Hungary and Belgium. We, of course, missed the Hungarian Grand Prix review last week due to my own travels, interstate visiting family and whatnot. So I want to try and smash out two today. Uh, Max Verstappen is goaded, etc. You know, the usual chat. I'm basically going to go through team by team to kind of break down all the news surrounding them, their performance over these two races. And then I'll wrap things up at the end with a little news hit. From the wonderful world of Formula 1, although it's not necessarily all that wonderful at the moment, it's a little bit predictable because, believe it or not, Max won both of these races. I'll take you through the results real quick before I get into some analysis and opinionations uh, over there. At the Formula 1 Qatar Airways Hungarian Grand Prix 2023, Max would win ahead of Lando Norris. Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton, Piastri comes home for a second consecutive P5 finish, oh sorry, top 5 finish. Russell in 6th, Leclerc 7th, Sainz 8th, Alonso 9th, and Lance Stroll rounding out the top 10 in there for Aston Martin. And then over there in Belgium, the Formula 1 MSC Cruises Belgian Grand Prix. Go get yourself a cruise, boys, if you've got the money. I certainly do not. Max would win yet again ahead of Sergio Perez, the Red Bull won 2 for the 5th time this season. Leclerc gets his podium there in P3, Hamilton 4th, Alonso 5th, Russell 6th. Lando on 7th, Ocon 8th, Stroll in 9th, and Yuki Tsunoda grabbing a very important point for AlphaTauri in P10. But we'll start with the biggest story, and that is, of course, Red Bull, as usual, as is part of the course in 2023. Two wins, two races. Max also won the sprint race in Belgium. They weren't necessarily amazing races, it must be said. They were solid. Well... Belgium was solid, Hungary was a little bit dull. Uh, Hungary, one of the hottest races of the season. Some steaming hot weather over there. Belgium was uh, teasing us with some wetness, with some dampness, with a slight bit of saturation. The sprint race, for example, was quite wet. Qualifying, quite wet. The race itself, mostly dry, with a little bit of wetness in the middle there, but not enough to kind of cause any drama. Um, So yeah, a shame for me. I, I predicted Belgium to be the race of the season back there at the start of the year and that definitely is not the case we uh, unfortunately have just continued with this kind of slew of average to middling races uh beyond Silverstone which was pretty good but even then Silverstone wasn't necessarily as good as the past couple seasons you know it wasn't it wasn't a race of the year contender as usual but that probably is standing out as the race of the year so far just nothing has really broke the bank in terms of amazingness so far uh, in 2023 but that's all right that is okay I suppose you know stick with us guys Formula One will get good again I swear it but yeah Max two wins that gives him eight in a row he's only one short now of Seb Vettel's record of nine wins in a row which he got back in 2013 I have absolutely zero doubt that Max will uh ramp that up and, and smash it out of the park obviously the next race is in the, 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 the Netherlands so it is kind of romantic that Max will tie that record in his home country. In front of the Orange Army, there, Super Max, ra ra ra, sing the song. It's a good song, it's nice and catchy. Uh, Red Bull themselves garnered their 250th podium in Hungary, which is a, a considerable amount of podiums. Very, very impressive. At the same race, Verstappen got his 30th consecutive classified finish, which broke Ricardo's team record. There are lots of record breakings here to talk about it's just it's a little bit insane uh red bull now have 13 straight wins which is the best ever having beaten mclaren's 11 straight record in hungary uh and this is of course the 13 races to start the season so they've just been a level above all year it's uh, a little bit insane uh max hasn't lost a race in nearly four months not since azerbaijan and has finished first or second every single race this year which is nuts and this is despite not having pole in either race. He missed pole in Hungary by zero point zero zero three seconds. Lewis Hamilton grabbing himself a cheeky pole there. But Max would end up winning by over 30 seconds. I think it was 33.7. Which is the largest winning margin since Hamilton did it uh, back in Russia 2021. So <laughs> it's food for thought there. Uh, I believe that was the race in which Lando Norris was, was set for a win and then... Got a little bit too greedy, spun off. Hamilton yeets on through. Grabs the Dubski, if I'm not mistaken, hopefully. Uh Max in Hungary led from start to finish for the 11th time in his career, which matches Sir Jackie Stewart and Michael Schumacher. So some pretty, uh, pretty impressive names there to be spoken about in the same voice as Max Verstappen. <laughs> yep, I'm going to put my phone over to the side so it doesn't keep making... Egregious Noises. I want to keep this podcast nice and clean, nice and clear for you guys tuning in. And uh, Max has 314 points, which is more than Vettel's championship winning tallies of 256 and 281 in 2010 and 2012, respectively. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> that is fucking ridiculous. Uh, Red Bull's fifth one-to-finish. That happened in Spa. I'm going to be jumping up and down between races here because I'm just focusing more on the team-by-team kind of basis. But uh, yeah, their fifth to finish ties their season record, which of course they set last year. Um, And Perez, you know, he's been solid. He's probably had an uptick in form, I'd say it's fair to say that. Came home third in Hungary and came home second in Belgium, so now has 33 career podiums, surpassing Daniel Ricciardo in doing so. Uh, So shout out to to Checo there and You know, Wally did his usual kind of not qualify great and then force his way through the pack in Hungary. He did qualify quite well in uh, Belgium, uh, courtesy of Max's uh, gearbox grid pen there. I think he ended up starting second, just behind Charles Leclerc. Um, Leclerc, of course, taking Poland, not winning, as usual. I think it's nine straight now for Charlie. Um, Not really anything to complain about in this one. Just no car is on par with the Red Bull right now. It's just fucking ridiculous, to be perfectly candid. And, of course, the big story regarding Checo is, uh, is he good enough to be that number two driver? You know, probably. Um, he is quite comfortably P2 right now. Um, a, fair, a, a fair few points ahead of uh, Alonso there in P3. Um, a fair bit of that is because Alonso and, and Aston Martin have had a, I guess, backstep in terms of pace uh, recently, or at the very least, they've been overtaken by Ferrari McLaren who we'll talk about more later in great detail and Mercedes themselves but um, hopefully Aston can turn it around and hello Marco actually came out and said publicly that he believes only two men could be nearer to max right now than Checo has in the past few seasons those two men being Hamilton and Fernando Alonso so you know pretty decent drivers and funnily enough the guys who are in p3 and p4 at the moment uh, chomping at the bit there to overtake Perez for P2. And just just quietly, Red Bull have never actually finished 1-2 and two in the driver standings, ever, in their history. So they're on track right now to uh, break yet another record for themselves and just kind of keep smashing it out. Um, yeah, it is fascinating that so many people have kind of been out on Perez this season. He did have a really bad run of qualifying results specifically. So hopefully for his case, he can take this result in Belgium and run with it and put those doubters to bed, but, you know, for the sake of, I guess, you know, uh, off-season drama, driver drama, We maybe we want to see Perez continue to kind of struggle, and maybe we get a bit of a shake-up in the driver market. We always love driver market chat, and God knows we need something to talk about, because these races are getting a little bit same-same. Um, if you follow F1 Troll, or just any F1 Instagram uh, fucking, yeah, account... It's, it's basically the idea is that Max, you know, should just ride off the fact that he will win every single race. And then the podium should just be two, three, and four instead. And that's what we focus on moving forward. And I, I can't really disagree with it. Max is just insane right now. I don't think anyone could beat him in the same machinery. I was having a chat with uh, one of my regulars at the bar lately. And he was, you know, kind of insinuating that it is Perez. This much worse than Max, or have they just kind of helped Max with the design of the car and strategies and all that? It doesn't really matter. They could be completely favoring Perez right now, and I still think Max will be beating him. He's just that insane. Um, having some fun on the radio. If you haven't heard his radio message from uh, Belgium, go check it out. It's just classic Max being a troll. He can say whatever the fuck he wants right now. He's, he's too insane. And for all those people getting up in arms about it, just calm down, you know, like respect greatness. This is. Not something I've ever seen. Um, I've been following F1 since 2020 now, and that was kind of the end of Hamilton's dominance. So I got to see Hamilton do his Hamilton thing for a season, and that was insane. This is even more insane. This is ridiculous. I'm sure if Matt was on the podcast, he'd agree that I don't think people have seen dominance to this level ever. He's going to get an insane amount of points this year. And he did it differently in Belgium. You know, he actually had to make some overtakes. And they were all very nice overtakes. He's quite good at driving. Went from 6th to 2nd in 7 laps. And had the victor, had, had the lead, I think, by uh, lap 10. So, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just really impressive stuff. Really impressive stuff from Max Verstappen. Um, their dominance has led to a bit of chat. Just to touch on some news real quick from the F1 Commission... Yeah, you might have seen this, but there's a, they're going to start an investigation into equalizing power unit performance based on one specific gap that they found in the field. I find it hard to believe that isn't re- related to Red Bull right now because they're insane on the, on the turns, on the corners, as usual, but they're also pretty fucking insane on the straights. So, yeah, hopefully, if they can uh, uh, put together some sort of, uh, I don't know, policy to equalize the power unit performance of all these teams we will have a bit more equality moving forward but for the rest of this season it's going to be red bull racing honda rbpt it's a long name just cashing up dubs just cashing up dubs i mean this was even a race in belgium where uh, max did have his gearbox pen handed out and he still won you know with uh, by nearly i think was 20 seconds in the end so yeah he's just untouchable And Perez is looking pretty good, too. I'll move on down to Mercedes. Yes, sir. New side pods. It feels so good. Yes, finally. They've caught up with the rest of the field. They've got some side pods in there. They've sorted out their aero issues uh, somewhat. And it paid dividends. Hamilton took pole in Hungary. uh, Genuinely. No bullshit here. Nothing too crazy going on. He just took pole. He's uh, 104th in his career, and his first pole since Jetta 2021, a record-setting ninth pole at a single venue. He loves it in Hungary. Unfortunately, a slow start there bogged him down. He never quite recovered. I think he ended up finishing 4th, as I've already mentioned. Uh, but yeah, Hamilton kind of continues to pump out these pretty consistent results there or thereabouts for the podium, nipping away, doing his thing. Um, I think he's scored points in every single race this season, so... That kind of tells you just how consistent he's been. And obviously, if you can't fight for wins and podiums, you've got to get the points up elsewhere. And that's exactly what he's done. And that's why he is... Where are we? Driver standings. Let's look it up. Boys and gals. And anywhere in between. Yes, so Hamilton is fourth. Just one point behind Fernando Alonso in that battle for P3, which is definitely heating up. Kind of reigniting an old rivalry there. Alonso and Hamilton. It's very, very juicy. And what is he? He is a good 50-odd points ahead of teammate George Russell, who I'll talk about now. He has admittedly come out and kind of just said that, yeah, look, I've been struggling, Uh, specifically in Belgium. He really didn't have a good time of it. Got some decent results. Finished eighth, I think, in the sprint, and then sixth for the second time running uh, in the main Grand Prix, but just hasn't come to terms with the car as much as Lewis had. Obviously, it's pretty difficult To compete and compare with Lewis. But he's already done it. You know he did it last year. He beat Lewis last year. And he is getting soundly beaten this year. Um, He can't get too frustrated. You know what I mean? Like he's still a young driver. Again he's going up against a multi-time world champion. Probably the GOAT. Until Max breaks all his records in a few years time. He also gained 12 positions in Hungary. After a, a disappointing qualifying. I think he got bogged down in some traffic and went out in Q1 which you know is pretty rare Earned himself a, a Toto Wolf desk punch which we always like to see Toto getting a little bit a little bit crazy um having a few too many pilsners i reckon has Toto but that's all right he's he, he's want for a bit of a temper tantrum that's okay we all have our temper tantrums these things happen but yeah he gained 12 positions to go from P18 to P6 and that is a personal best for George so we're still putting out some pretty good uh, performances on track. He had some nice battles over this fortnight. Uh, there was one with Perez in Hungary uh, that Russell would lose, but it was it was still you know, very entertaining, some back-and-forth driving, uh, which you, know, you kind of need to see in a race like that where not a whole lot else happened. Every single battle is worthwhile, gives us something to uh, enjoy. Uh, But yeah, Russell, some improvements to be made, but he shouldn't beat himself too much. Beat himself up too much, I should say. He's still doing a solid job firmly in that battle with Charles and Carlos for P5. Uh, He's actually equal points with Charles for P5 and uh, seven points ahead of Carlos at the moment. So he's still doing solid in Mercedes' bid to finish P2, which they are comfortably in at the moment. Uh, 50 points ahead of Aston Martin. Of course, Lance Stroll, not as good as George Russell. Can confirm. And then for Mercedes, finally, Freddy, Freddie Vestie, Frederick Vesti, Matt's fave. He's going to make his F1 debut in Mexico during free practice, so that's exciting. Give him a shout, give him a chance. Who knows? Uh, maybe if he gets that dub in Formula 2 and uh, continues to impress, he'll end up in like a, I don't know, a Williams for Logan Sargent or something like that. Um, he's another one of those young drivers kind of banging down the door, looking for an opportunity to make it into Formula 1, the top tier. Moving forward to Aston Martin, I've already kind of alluded to this, but they have definitely fallen behind their direct competitors. You know, Ferrari made some improvements a while back that have seen them settle in quite nicely into that, I guess, P3, borderline P4 spot in terms of on-track pace. It's kind of between them and McLaren at the moment for P3. Mercedes pretty firmly P2, I'd say. And Aston Martin has dropped down from second to fifth in terms of on track pace it, it must be said which is a shame because you know the green machine it's a fan favorite we love it i love it anyways despite you know all the stroll bullshit that's okay we can move past that we can enjoy we can enjoy fernando alonso's insane talent i wonder how he feels right now with uh, taylor swift out there just racking up stacks with her uh, with her world tour getting all the headlines. Alonso must be getting pretty jealous. You know, he wants to get back on the podium to compete, you know. Can't have the ex-girlfriend just taking all that news. Uh, regardless, Alonso now has one less podium than Checo as he continues to kind of slip behind the Mexican driver in the driver's standings. He's 40 points behind Sergio now. Um, Yeah, Aston Martin, they need to address these issues. I've got faith that Mike Crack will. He seems like a kind of... Uh, you know, call-to-action kind of guy. He's going to take care of business. He's not going to dilly-dally. Um, and hopefully they bring th- bring forward an upgrade package that addresses whatever issues they have at the moment. But uh, moving forward, huge news. Mind-breaking stuff. Mind-boggling, in fact. Stoffel Van Dorn. The man himself will take the wheel of an F1 car again in a Pirelli tire test with Aston Martin uh, soon. We love Stoffel. <laughs> I do anyway. Perhaps one of the most uh, below-average drivers ever to, to race in Formula 1. But he's he's hanging around. He's doing his thing. He's got friends in high places. There's all made stuff for Van Dorn. And he's going to hopefully make the most of it. Will he do the same thing as Daniel Ricciardo? Probably not. But that's okay. He's going to have some fun with it. Um, hopefully, Dragovich gets a chance in that Aston Martin soon. In, in a practice session. Something like that. The uh, F2 champion from last season. An Aston Martin reserve driver. And uh, fourth... On the older agenda here, Ferrari won't spend too much time here. They're kind of just quietly going about their business. Not great, but not bad. Pretty consistently in the points, doing their thing. Leclerc got his 20th career pole in Spa, thanks to Max's uh, aforementioned gearbox penalty. And got his third podium of the season, also in Spa, taking home P3 there. Getting back on the steps, so he would have loved that. Uh, Elevating him back up to fifth in the driver's standings. You know, a guy as talented as Charles should really be fighting four podiums on a consistent basis. The Ferrari hasn't always been there this season. But, yeah, with with the kind of equality of that mid-pack right now, they're they're there or thereabouts. Sainz, meanwhile, um, would retire in Spa for the first time this season uh, due to that kind of collision with Piastri. I'll talk about that now. Obviously, off the start, it got a little bit bogged up. Science has the corner. He's going in. He's got Hamilton around the outside of him, and Piastri down the inside. Piastri has his nose in there, and there is there, there's a collision. They both retire. I don't think this is necessary. Like, there's been a lot of debate about it. Probably because there's nothing else to talk about. There isn't really anything to talk about here. There's it's just racing incident. You know what I mean? Like Piastri was there enough for my money, and Science. Was pushed inside by Hamilton a little bit. Both drivers probably could have done a little bit more. Science had a bit more room on his outside, and Piastri didn't need to be that aggressive in the first lap. But you know, a, an unfortunate collision to take out two fan favorite drivers so early on in Belgium. But that's okay. Science still sixth there, still in the conversation, doing his dang. Now, one of the bigger talking points. For these, this this kind of fortnight of racing. Yeah, that's the good caffeine hit we need. Is of course McLaren. And their resurgence in form. Resurgence in pace. They went from very clearly the 6th best team. To well they're right up there now. I mean they've taken 4th. Sorry 5th I should say. They're a good 50 odd points ahead of Alpine now. There's still 90 odd points behind Ferrari and Aston Martin. But I mean they're chasing them down pretty quickly. Obviously, Piastri got a podium uh, for the second straight week in Hungary, which is the first time ever in his career that he has taken consecutive podiums, looking very, very good. And Oscar Piastri had his personal best performance in the Belgium Sprint to take home P2. Held the lead for a little bit as well, courtesy of an early strategy call. He got in there, he got into the pits, he went from the wets to the inters real quick. It was a soggy race, the Belgium Sprint. That was probably the best bit of racing over uh this this fortnight was that Belgium sprint, that was probably worth watching. Um if you had to pick some footage to kind of go out and, and watch in full, I'd go the Belgium sprint. That was fun. You know, you had the craziness at the start with who's gonna pit for inches, who's gonna stay out. Piastri was one of the guys who pitted straight away and yeah, held the lead for a little bit. Who knows if Alonso doesn't spin out and cause that early safety car, maybe he could have, you know, raced out to a bit more of a lead. But regardless, still a nice moment for him. And he did well to hold on to P2 there. And kind of put the F1 world on notice. You know, he's been, he's been good. But this was like a, a level above. And I think his confidence really has just been remarkable. Like his audacious overtake, lap one in Hungary, that was awesome. Just the willingness to battle with these all-time greats. You know, he, he battled Max for a little bit. In that Belgium sprint to no avail, of course, because Max, as I said, is an alien and can't be stopped. But still, you know, got to step up on the podium, even if it wasn't a, a real podium. It's still a podium. It's still a step. You know. have a little fun there, Oscar. Do you think he's putting uh, putting Australia on the map again? And we love it. But yeah, McLaren looking speedy. They did struggle somewhat during the Belgium Grand Prix. Obviously, Piastri retired. Norris would finish seventh. Uh, a lot of talk about their lack of straight-line speed. Belgium is, of course, the track on the calendar where you need the most straight-line speed. Lots of straights. Um, Q, one of the commentators, calling the Williams a rocket ship. Calm down, boys. But, um, yeah, that, that kind of disadvantage should disappear over the coming. Like, Zandvoort doesn't have a whole lot of like crazy straights, so you, know, you, you could very well see McLaren fighting for the podium again in the Netherlands. Um, And just looking really, really impressive. I mean, Norris has got to be a top five driver right now. Piastri has probably proven himself to be a top 10 driver already. Um, And yeah, just taking Alpine to the cleaners. And I'll talk about Alpine now. Jesus, what a fucking shit show. I mean, honestly, double DNF. In Hungary, somewhat offset by a better performance in Belgium. I think uh, Ocon came home P8 for his first points finish since Canada. So a four-race gap there. And Gasly finished third in the sprint to get his biggest singular points all of the season. By the way, only six points. It's not a lot of points. But that was his personal best. So that was nice to see. But the the big story is, of course, Otmar Safnauer has been fired. Oh, sorry. uh, Terminated by mutual agreement, which means uh, fired. Um, just eighteen months after getting signed on as Alpine's principal, to go along with them, sporting director Alan Permain, who had spent thirty four years with Enstone, he's gone, and their CTO, the chief technical officer Pat Fry, is gone as well. He's been poached by Williams to take up the same role over there, and this is this comes on the heels of Laurent Rossi getting moved on from chief executive to uh, head of sporting projects, whatever the fuck that means. Basically just, you know, let's get him out. He's not great. We want someone else in charge. As of yet, they haven't announced any replacements for these guys who have gone out. We've got some kind of interim blokes taking up the helm. Bruno Famine or Famine, I'm not sure I'm not too sure how to pronounce the name. Is I believe heading up the reins at the moment. He was the kind of the guy I sided with um, getting Rossi out of there. And it's just I mean, Alpine's only been around for, what, two, three seasons now in their current iteration. Obviously, they were Renault beforehand since Cyril got fired. And it's just been constant, constant drama. Like, they've been through multiple drivers, uh, numerous staff turmoil. You know, Otmar only just brought his guys in, and now he's getting moved on. It's just constant, constant bullshit. And it must be heartbreaking to go from finishing a strong P4th last season to now looking pretty dead set as the sixth best team on the grid. This is after, of course, Rossi came out at the start of the season and basically claimed that, hey, you know, P4 should be our minimum. We want to be competing with the big boys. You know what I mean? Like, we're one of the only teams who actually make our own engines. We've got all this money behind us. We should be competing with the big boys. And instead, they're at the bottom of the mid-pack. So, not uh, <laughs> Not ideal. Not ideal at all. I mean, just this year alone, obviously, they, they lost Alonso to Aston Martin. They lost a, a prodigy, I think it's now fair to say, in Piastri due to what seemed like incompetence on Otmar's side. Most of their staff is gone. They've just been bought out by Ryan Reynolds. It, it's, it's... When's the Alpine documentary coming out? This is some soap drama shit. I love it. It is honestly very entertaining. Like, I'm not an Otmar fan. We are... None of us are on this show. He's just... He just doesn't incite confidence in anyone, and I think it is telling to see that Alpine's best performance for a while came in Belgium after that news dropped, you know, like, the staff are gone. Drivers, maybe a new a new lease on life, perchance, a new bit of confidence, they feel more ready to get out there and kind of do their thing, which they did. Um, nowhere near as fast as McLaren, Ferrari, Aston Martin, etc., but at least they're in the points and they should really be in the points every single goddamn race weekend because they're a goddamn faster than than the rest of the pack so brutal stuff for Alpine overall they're 50 odd points behind mclaren as i've already said and just on the otmar stuff the team themselves came out i'm not sure who the spokesman was but the quote is thusly the reality is that changes sorry no that's otmar's quote where's my quote i'm looking for where are we where are we there it is Confidence is something that increases with good results and erodes with bad results. Uh, Pretty self-explanatory there. Results not good enough. They weren't happy. Otmar, you're gone. Not even two years into your tenure. Otmar clapped back, of course, because the man loves the press. He really, really loves the limelight. And said that, yeah, reality, the reality is that change takes time. I signed some good people from other teams, but they are still stuck in their contracts and won't come until 2024 or 2025. Uh maybe if you wanna overhaul your staff, sign some people who are actually available, my guy. Maybe that'd be a pertinent way to go about things. I don't know. Aston Martin did it, they poached Mike Crack from a different uh motorsport entirely. You could have done that, chose not to. It it does scream a little bit of a guy who's resting on his laurels, like, Oh, I've just been signed, I can take things at my own pace. Formula One, it it it's not like that. You have to you have to you know, be at the pace of your competitors, if not more so. Um, Otmar continues, you can't really push development if people aren't there. It takes time for people to come, and it takes time for people to work together correctly. I always say you can't get nine women pregnant and hope you have a baby in a month. Mm. I mean, I guess he's technically right, but that is a weird quote from a weird guy. Otmar Safnauer there, talking about pregnancy like an absolute g very strange. Uh, allegedly, he has another team lined up. Can't wait to see who that is. Can't wait to see who he fucks up next. Should be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Did Alpine give him enough time? Maybe not. 18 months is not a long time in, in the grand scheme of things. But, I mean, we saw Josh Capito with Williams kind of turn their fortunes around somewhat in a similar span of time. And, look, the fact is Otmar, you know, he he did... Have a great first season, took them to fourth, but they've regressed. And that's not okay. That's not acceptable for a team with lofty ambitions um, like Alpine. So, yeah, not ideal. Uh, Alan Prost, of course, who had been fired by Laurent Rossi and Otmar back at the start of their tenure, came out and said that Rossi was inept and claimed that he was solely responsible for Alpine's loss of momentum due to hubris and a lack of F1 understanding. So, some strong language there from the former world champion Alain Prost. Of course, a man with uh, big ties to, to the Renault, Alpine, and Stone setup, and, and a, a man who loves French motorsport, obviously, as kind of the pinnacle of French motorsport. Yeah, it's not a good look. Uh Hopefully, for Gasly's sake and Ocon's sake, they can turn it around themselves and and put together some good performances as the season goes on. I love me some Pierre Gasly. He hasn't had a great season. Uh, Ocon's not been as good as last year either. It raises questions, you know, how much of their success last season was due to kind of, you know, Aston Martin not being there yet. And McLaren having a down year with Ricardo being an absolute anchor, you know. How much of their success was due to Fernando Alonso being an absolute goat? You know what I mean? Bringing more out of Ocon than Ocon maybe necessarily can bring out of himself. We're seeing how good Alonso is right now with Aston Martin. Yeah, tough stuff. Moving forward to the back of the pack as I sip my coffee. Smashing it out today in record time, boys. It's good stuff. Williams the rocket ship, yes. <laughs> not a lot to talk about here. Um, I just I thought it was hilarious during the Belgian Grand Prix. The commentators like every second sentence like oh, Williams is a rocket ship. Williams is a rocket ship. No points for Williams in Spa, so not that much of a rocket ship. Ahem. but yes, lots of straight line sp- straight straight line speed doesn't really matter if you can't turn a corner. That's all right. Maybe they'll get the balance right with Pat Fry heading up. The uh, technical office now from... Uh, I, th- I think he's already he's already there. I don't think it's a SAF now situation where he hires someone and they can't actually join for another whole year. I think Pat Fry is already in Williams, working with Vols, getting it done. I mean, Fry has 30-odd years of motorsport experience, comes in with a pretty solid resume, will hopefully help them sort out that car more than they currently are. I mean, they're 7th, they're doing pretty well. Albon still looks great. Logan Sargent, not so much. He had another big mistake in Hungary. I mean, he was already running around in 17th, not doing much, and then he just kind of lost concentration and spun himself around. So continuing to fail to impress, which is a shame for a guy who is quite talented. You know, um, it's just one of those things. Maybe he just can't make that step up from F2 to F1. Maybe he just doesn't have it in him. Um, I imagine they'll give him the rest of the season to, to figure it out. Uh, unlike Alpha Tauri, of course, Williams not quite as cutthroat as the Red Bull hierarchy. So, uh, hopefully, Sergeant can figure it out. As we move forward and do it for America, we love America. Cheesesteaks, football, basketball. We love America. Moving on to Haas. Yeah, segue. See that? That was good. Yeah, that's why uh, they pay me the big bucks, which they don't. But uh, maybe one day. Who knows? The brightest spot for Haas right now is Hulkenberg's hair. Man's got immaculate hair. And it is very bright. Bleach blonde. He's pulling it off. Not many people can. Nico Hulkenberg can pull it off. But beyond that, the team are a bit shit. Uh, not looking close to points right now. Looks like they've fallen behind AlphaTauri in terms of pace, which you hate to see. Obviously, Tsunoda grabbing a point there in Spa, while the Haas boys are just nowhere close to the points. They haven't scored since Baku... They have so much tire dig on race day, which just consistently yeets their impressive quali pace. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know if there are many Haas fans out there, but it is tough right now. Nico's doing his best. Kevin Magnussen, this might explain some of his recent woes. He just had a daughter, Agnes, um, welcomed her into the world ahead of Hungary. That will, you know, distract you somewhat from driving, you know, having a child. I've heard it's a bit of a job. Quite a lot to do there. So who knows? Maybe uh, having a a new life to take care of will spur him on to regather some form. It remains to be seen. Haas struggling. Um could very well find themselves last come the end of the season if Alpha Tower continue to improve. But before we get to Alpha Towery, Alpha Romeo, the other Alpha, this will be quick. Mm, they haven't been doing a whole lot lately. Um, kind of there or thereabouts, like your 12th, 13th, 14th, a lot. Uh, Guan Yu Jojo Guan Yu qualified a personal best, 5th in Hungary. Fucking awesome. Absolutely love that for him. Um, he's a good lad. Unfortunately, he took that 5th and he stalled it off the start and dropped like an absolute stone. Uh, he would then cause that crash, that uh, epic crash. He would go into Ricardo. Ricardo would, in turn, go into both Alpine guys, uh, which obviously retired the French drivers. Yeah, unfortunate for Guan Yu Zhou, Zhou Guan Yu, but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I doubt he would have held on to fifth anyway. Maybe he could have, like, stuck it around for a P10, P9 finish, but, alas, we'll never know. Hopefully, uh, Alfa Romeo can turn it around. But then again, they're probably just kind of biding their time until... The uh, Audi takeover happens. You know, they're going to get a whole lot more money soon. Just uh, hang in there, guys. It's all good. And then finally, Alpha Tauri. So, fair bit to talk about here. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo back on the grid after what half a season out in the wild there, getting yeeted off by McLaren. He now has an Alpha Tauri seat, having replaced Nick DeVries. And, yeah, impressed in his first drive. Obviously, an unfortunate crash there at the start. Not his fault at all. He qualified pretty well getting into Q2, which AlphaTauri haven't done all that often this season. So, straight away, made an impact. And then drove pretty well up to 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, having been needed at the start there. And then, you know, came 9th in the Belgium sprint race. Just missing out on points, courtesy of a late move by George Russell. But... Yeah, Ricardo showing some solid signs so far. I mean, there's all there's already all these headlines like, "Oh, is Ricardo good enough to replace Checo?" He's not good enough. He is good enough. The media love to chat shit. You got to give him more time, fellas. He's only just gotten back. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he is familiar with Red Bull machinery and in turn Alfatari machinery, but you got to give him more time. To get properly into the swing of things. And there have definitely been enough positives so far. To be like yep alright. Daniel's here. He's doing some bits. Um, But it instantly obviously sparks up that debate. Like DeVries is gone. Probably will never uh, drive an F1 car again. So now Yuki's on the chopping block. Yuki Sonoda, who had been outperforming. Nick DeVries. How much of that is Yuki outperforming him? How much of that is DeVries just being fucking trash? You know, one of the classic what-ifs of Formula 1. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, Ricardo comes in and he, outdri- he out-qualifies and out-drives Yuki in day one. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, fuck. I love Yuki Tsunoda. He's adorable. He's a cute little little guy. He's just doing his thing. But if Ricardo out-drives him for the rest of the season, he's probably getting um, removed from that seat in lieu of a, a, a Yuma Owasa or a, a Liam Lawson type character. Maybe they go out and poach Alex Pelou. Who knows? Regardless, you know, it's tough. But then he turns it around. Belgium Grand Prix, he gets a point. His third point of the season, his third P10 finish of the season. A fantastic drive. Some really nice moves in conditions that weren't always amazing. I thought he was spectacular. Um, And puts the pressure right back on Ricardo. I mean, this is going to be a team that people will be following very closely for the rest of the season. Uh. Pfft. Probably because it's gonna it's gonna be the kind of um, I guess starting point of whatever driver driver market drama we get if we get any, AlphaTauri is gonna be like the barometer. Um, so yeah, good for Yuki to kind of regain that form. Maybe Ricardo will bring more out of Yuki. You know what I mean? Maybe Yuki is just a guy who needs to have a banterous teammate to perform well. Gasly's pretty banterous, Ricardo is the peak of banter, maybe Ricardo's banter, in a, they've already been talking about how well they're getting along, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever, you know, maybe Ricardo's banter will bring Yuki uh, to a whole new level that we haven't seen before in Formula 1. One can only hope, because I love Tsunoda, he's, he's, he's fantastic, he's a cute little button of a man. And that's kind of the uh, the team by team analysis over the past couple of weeks. Obviously, there's much more to talk about. I would have uh, breaking it down, broken it down more had Matt been here. But you know what? I'm just trying to smash it out, do my dang. It is what it is. You know. Who knows? Maybe you like this format. We'll see. Let me know. In comments and whatnot. We love we love engagement. But uh, to finish things off, I will just touch on some news. Um First of all, uh, the F1 Commission, I already mentioned that the uh, decision to begin an invest investigation into equalizing power unit performance has happened. They also have announced that the ban on tire blankets, which was originally slated for 2024, has been pushed back to 2025. Now, God, it's hard to just talk nonstop. stop. My gosh. I don't know how these pros do it. It's goddamn insane. There must be some vocal exercises I should be doing. I don't know. Regardless, um, this is obviously a step back in terms of the environmental concerns that F one have been so vocal in claiming that they're trying to address. The tire blanket ban was going to be part of that. Um, but they just Pirelli have been like, well, it's not going to work, and the F one commission were like, ah, oh, all right, fine, we'll give you another year, figure it out, Pirelli, you dogs. Hopefully they can, uh, because the environment—it's pretty good. We—it's oh, not great at the moment, but it'd be good to keep it somewhat reasonable moving forward. And F one, uh, <laughs> motorsport in general, not great for the environment. So hopefully they can fix some of those issues. The tire blanket ban being one of them. And the other big bit of news: so every single Formula One team, as of next year, will have one driver in F one Academy, as uh, as well as running their uh, their livery. Uh, over there in the Premier female single-seater category, of course. This is something that's only just been brought in this season. Um, it's going pretty well. Shout-out to Marta Garcia, the young Spanish driver for Prema, who is currently running away with the with the championship there. She's got a near 70-point lead, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it, it, it adds a spotlight. It's been a good competition. Some nice races, some nice moments. And it's, it's good for uh, the uh, main F1 teams to kind of pick up an Academy driver in these competitions. I'm sure Marta Garcia will get picked up and it just kind of lends more into their development and hopefully kind of closes the gap between performance of the two genders. And who knows, maybe Marta Garcia will be driving in a Williams soon. We shall see. And that kind of brings us to the end of the Hungary slash Belgium Grand Prix Grands Prix review. Sorry, nearly had a bit of a faux pas there. I apologise. Um, not our usual stuff, but hopefully you liked it. It's been fun for me, as usual, aided by caffeine and nicotine, the ultimate combination. And, uh, yeah, check us back for the Dutch Grand Prix review. Mm, is that next week or the week after? I don't know. Last minute research. My computer's playing up the dutch grand prix 27 oh my gosh okay it's gonna be a while uh, end of the month so peace and love baby we'll probably come back in uh earlier than that for maybe like a a fun little draft episode or a dutch preview. maybe some news if we get some news something like that i'm sure we'll uh, speak to you before the 27th of august but the next race review will be at the end of the month so yeah peace and love Catholic Church actually uh, funds this show, so...